0: Hello there and welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. I have the privilege of sharing God's Word with you today through our message. So let me begin. All our lives are filled with good and bad choices. Even from an early age, decisions we make have clear and obvious choices. There are obvious ones like whether or not we should touch fire or lick a knife, to the not-so-obvious choices like the friends that we choose to spend time with or things we believe on the internet. From a very young age, our kids could hear my wife say to them, make good choices. My son Aaron, when he was about three years old, saw this picture hanging on his grandma's wall and declared to the family, those kids made a bad choice. Speaking of kids, if you're looking for an opportunity for a parent's night out, our church will take care of your kids on June 16. Register online. Now back to the message. I'm not sure or exactly what I know about making good choices. I haven't figured it all out. Far from it. But let's study together a unique story in Exodus 32 that is full of bad and good choices and draw out some valuable principles that will help us today. Exodus 32 starting at verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. Now let's take a deeper look at what is going on here by jumping back to Exodus 24, starting at verse 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the God of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Notice the 40 days and 40 nights. There are significant events in scripture that have the number 40 in their timeline. There's nothing mystical about numbers in the Bible. In fact, the basic truths of the Bible are plain and obvious enough for a child to understand. However, there are some key markers that while reading, we should pause, And take notice that something significant is happening. The number 40 is one of those markers. Here are the 40 markers in the Bible. In the Old Testament, when God destroyed the earth with water, he caused it to rain 40 days and 40 nights. After Moses killed the Egyptian, he fled to Midian, where he spent 40 years in the desert tending flocks. Moses interceded on Israel's behalf for 40 days and 40 nights in response to the account of the golden calf story in Deuteronomy 9. The law specified a maximum number of lashes a man could receive for a crime, setting the limit at 40. The Israelite spies took 40 days to spy out Canaan. The Israelites wandered for 40 years. Before Samson's deliverance, Israel served the Philistines for 40 years. Goliath taunted Saul's army for 40 days before David arrived to slay him. And when Elijah fled from Jezebel, he traveled, to, traveled 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. The number 40 also appears in the prophecies of Ezekiel and Jonah. In the New Testament, Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. There were 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and ascension. It seems that 40 marks times of hardship or trials. And if anything, it should trigger our attention and cause us to reflect on what is happening in the narrative. We all love to do countdowns for big events. Weddings, holidays, motorcycle trips, T-minus 10 days for me. Sometimes our impatience in waiting gets the best of us. And all we do is focus on the future event and miss good choices along the way. The Israelites weren't counting down, they were counting up. Count-ups are for important moments, like, like waiting for doctor's appointments, news about a potential job, or waiting for someone to reply to our text. It's been over two minutes. Notice how we never say, it's 238 days since I went to Cancun. I'm so happy that is in my past. Well, good choices are often marked by being patient. The Israelites were counting up and their impatience caused them to not make good choices. You'd have thought that seeing God would have helped their impatience. But who are we to judge? I consider myself to be a patient person, but put me behind someone in the line at Krispy Kreme, and when they ask the server if the donuts are good, look out, get out of the line. When was the last time you were impatient? Did it affect your choices? Were you able to make a good choice in the heat of the moment? Now back to Exodus 32. The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know where he, what has become of him. Notice the tone. This Moses, the man, You can see in the text the language of people who are not making good choices. They are casting blame, pointing fingers, not taking responsibility for themselves. After all, at the beginning of making good choices is taking responsibility. They witnessed something amazing when Moses went up on the mountain. In fact, you can read the full account in Exodus 24. What is amazing to me is how Moses and Aaron, some lesser known leaders, Nadab, and Abihu, along with 70 of the elders, were on the mountain and saw God. Then God called Moses apart from them, and he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Now here's a funny aside. When I was really young, I called myself Dabu. I would even answer people with that when they asked my name. I'm Dabu, and this is my brother Gaga. Yes, that's a name for my little brother, Jeremy. It was the 70s, and I'm sure my mom got some funny looks. But why did I do that? It was fun to say. Well, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. So what Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Dabu and Gaga, just joking, and the 70 elders didn't do was take responsibility for the people in the absence of Moses. Where were they in all the chaos? In fact, we only hear about Aaron after this. The lack of responsibility of the leaders that Moses delegated leadership to created significant consequences to the people of God. The fact that the first word spoken to Aaron in verse 1 is up or come on, indicating that the people wanted Aaron to do something. He seems to have been inactive. They had to get him going. He was not taking responsibility, and his choice was to do this. So Aaron said to them, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up, and early the next day they offered, and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The people were trying to make good choices. You can see that they wanted to focus on the Lord, but there was something just a bit off a bit irreverent in the way the people were interacting with the Lord. As a church, we've been studying throughout Exodus the holiness of God, the provision of God, the way God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle, and even how to engage in Sabbath rest. But now we see God's people eating, drinking, and playing. There is a time for those things, but in honor of the Lord in this moment, it was not a good choice. How often are our choices almost the right ones here are some classic stories about almost good choices remember blockbuster they had an opportunity to buy netflix at the time netflix wasn't what it is today and they were losing about 50 million dollars a year with their video by mail service yes mail blockbuster thought they were making a good choice by not buying netflix or how about this one in 1876 Gardner Green Hubbard offered William Orton, president of the Western Union Telegraph Company, a chance to purchase the patent for a new invention for $100,000. Orton replied directly to the inventor, Alexander Graham Bell, that the invention, while interesting, had no commercial possibilities, calling it an electrical toy. All Western Union had to do was hook up telephones to its already existing telegraph lines and and it would have dominated the market having the first nationwide telephone network. Now we scoff at these decisions now, but how many of those choices are made with good intentions? Often pride, arrogance, distraction, and impatience cause us to make bad choices. These are all selfish traits. So might I suggest to you that the other foundation behind making good choices is putting others first. Just look at this story in Exodus. We see people who who were impatient, not waiting for the Lord, and were anxious about not having a leader when Moses left them. They quickly went from following Moses to blaming him and their selfishness and were only thinking about themselves. Have you noticed how quickly we fill in the silence of leadership with our own, often incorrect ideas? We all want to know everything all the time. Getting back to number one being patient and the Lord said to Moses go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them they have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it and said these are your gods O Israel who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and the Lord said to Moses I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked is an interesting expression. It means to be obstinate, stubborn, and difficult to lead. Its roots are found in describing an ox who is difficult to direct. You can picture a farmer trying to guide his ox with a harness around its neck and the animal fighting directions. This is how God often describes the Israelites in the Old Testament. And right up to the New Testament when Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, called the Jews stiff-necked because they were they murdered their Messiah. When are we stiff-necked? We are putting our desi- desires first when we do that. Not allowing direction, not putting others first. What we see in Exodus 32 is an interaction between the Lord and Moses, working through the consequences of the bad choices they made to create the golden calf. And in that moment, the Lord showed mercy to them. But watch Moses' reaction. Then Moses turned and went down to the, from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides. On the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger burned hot and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Could you imagine the scene? Moses experienced something amazing with the Lord, a literal mountaintop high, and then came down and see what he saw. Could you imagine that? It filled him with such anger that he smashed the precious work of God. Notice what it said, that those tablets were the writing of God. Special. And yet Moses smashed them. What happens next is really hard to understand. If making the people drink gold wasn't hard enough, Moses asked, Who is on the Lord's side? In verse 26, and Levi's sons answered the call. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go out, go to and fro and from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about three thousand men of the people fell. Making good choices also involves hard leadership at times. And sometimes that leadership means making tough decisions. Moses knew there were consequences for what the Israelites did. He was holding the very instructions that God wrote and number one was, you shall have no other gods before me. Back in Exodus 19, we see this. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant. In other words, if you make good choices, the people of Israel would have some amazing positive rewards. But the consequences of not obeying what God commands resulted in some tough decisions by Moses. I like to put myself in other people's shoes to try to see things from their perspective. Could you imagine what it would have been like for Moses to carry out the decision to punish his own people with death because they broke God's first commandment? That's what makes this so hard for us to understand. If it were us, would we have just said, that's okay, that you created another God to worship? It sounds almost silly, doesn't it? We read it now and think, well, that's harsh. But when we grasp the big picture and truly understand the holiness of God, the tough decision is the right one. It's hard to make those tough decisions in life when we know there are consequences. But deep down inside, we know that the consequences of not making tough decisions have an even even greater impact. Moses knew that, since he had just spent time with the Holy God. I love Exodus 24, verse 10, as it tried to describe the encounter that Moses had with God. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven of foreclearness. In that encounter, the description of the Holy God wasn't about what he looked like. It was about what was under his feet. There was no way to describe God when you were bowed before him in awe. Just the best attempt at describing what he was walking on. Perhaps in your life you're faced with having to make some tough decisions. You know what to do. Bow before our Holy God. He will guide you. The key to making tough decisions is to make tough decisions. Don't procrastinate. Don't hesitate. Do listen to God. Do make. Back to Exodus 32. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of the book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. There's quite a turn in this passage where Moses goes from carrying out judgment on his people to pleading for forgiveness for the sin they committed. What Moses was doing in that moment was recognizing their need to make things right with a holy God and at a time where he could have simply given up walked away, quit. Moses modeled serving others. Yes, there were consequences, but Moses saw good in the people, and he knew God loved his people and had a covenant with them and gave provision to lead them. Did you catch what Moses was bartering with with the Lord? That he would sacrifice himself by being removed from the book of the Lord. The only other reference to that book is found in Revelation and Philippians 4 verse 3. This was no small thing that Moses did as he laid out before the Lord his eternal future. Moses was willing to give the ultimate sacrifice as he served others. What do we need to do to find find our name in that book of life? Well, first, we need to forsake our sins. Second, we need to believe in the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior from sin. Third, we need to receive the free gift of salvation. God loved humans unto death. Greater love has no one than this. Fourth, we need to live as Jesus lived in the obedience to to his law through his enabling power. And finally, if you would like to declare those things, be baptized. In fact, we're having a service on July 2nd to do that. Join us, contact the church office, and participate. Now, we need people in our lives to advocate for us, to intercede on our behalf when we fail, to serve us, and we need to do that for others. But there is only one who can truly save us. Who we really need is seen clearly in Romans 5, starting at verse verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law yet. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased grace abound all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can experience, and might I add need, is the only one who has truly served us, Jesus Christ. He's the only one by grace who leads us to eternal life. As followers of Jesus, we can find our identity in righteousness because of what he has done. And we also need to take seriously the choices that are before us. I trust that today's message has encouraged you in whatever situation you find yourself in. If you're having trouble making good choices, I would challenge you to think about the things we discovered today. The beauty of being a part of a church and, and one of the reasons why we gather to, is to encourage one another in those things, spur one another on to love and good deeds. But ultimately, We have the perfect example to follow in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus is patient, took responsibility, put others first, made tough decisions, and served others. As Christ followers, we are to do the same as we make good choices. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we are selfish, impatient, and put others first. Forgive us of our sin, Help us to make good choices. Many of us are faced with big decisions in our lives and we are thankful that we can come before the Creator of the universe with those things and you graciously grant us wisdom by your Holy Spirit. Move us, Lord, to patience, taking responsibility for the things we can control and letting go of the things that we cannot control. Help us to put others first. And when faced with tough decisions, guide us and help us to look for ways to serve others as you, Jesus Christ, set the example for us to follow. Amen. Now, if you're faced with some challenging decisions, ensure you spend some time praying, listening to God, and sharing these things with others. And don't forget to make good choices. Thanks for your generosity, church, and giving to make these videos like this happen, and for Central Heights Church to make a difference in the world. See you next time.